If you like this podcast, you're going to really like McClanahan Academy. Head over to McClanahanAcademy.com. That's McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll. It's free of charge. You get a free class, 10 Myths of American History. When you do enroll, I've got nearly 20 classes there available for purchase. Go to McClanahanAcademy.com. Enroll today and get a real history education. The Brian McClanahan Show, episode 509. It's time to think locally and act locally. Welcome to the Brian McClanahan Show. Welcome back to the Brian McClanahan Show. Glad to have you back on the program. Very glad to be here. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, like my Facebook page, and subscribe to my YouTube page where you can watch this podcast. Find all those social media accounts on my webpage, brianmcclanahan.com. While you're there, give me that email address. I'll give you a free ebook. Forgotten Founders, free audiobook, the same title read by yours truly. Support the show by going to mclanahanacademy.com. Always free to enroll. You get a free class when you do enroll 10 Myths of American History. Purchase one of my classes there or 12 of my classes there. You keep this podcast free of charge. Also, you can click on that support tab at brianmclanahan.com. That's B-R-I-O-N, mclanahan.com. You can also click on the shop tab at brianmclanahan.com. Purchase one of my books. Go to Learn True, T-R-U-E, learntruehistory.com. All those things, of course, help support this show financially. And you can share this podcast around on social media. You can rate it where you get your podcast. You can let people know you're thinking locally and acting locally, which we talked about yesterday, of course, to the left. Now, that you're a bad person now if you do that. Uh, I mean, unless you're a leftist local advocate, you're a bad person. If you're a conservative local advocate, well, I mean, you are you're subhuman because you are just hiding all kinds of nasty things about yourself. I mean, it's just, this is the stuff we get. You expect it from these nincompoops. But, I mean, that, that was a good, uh, you know, good piece on localism yesterday or, or how not to think about localism. And then, of course, today we're going to talk about another local issue. And this one I found to be funny. We're wrapping up the week with this this week. Um, I saw this when I was looking through some material on uh, just kind of surfing around. And the headline grabbed my attention. I've talked about this a little bit before, but you see what these people really want. Let me explain some things about, about the opposition to the local. The Rebecca Weiss piece is very clear. I'm still in favor of localism. I still like localism. It's still a good thing. Uh, it's still a great thing to have localism, but it has to be done in the way I say. Now, I think Rebecca Weiss would not be against, I mean, I don't know, maybe she would be against uh, beef or some of the other things. A lot of the leftists are. They're against these things. But they're also against, these these leftists, these localists, are also against uh, leftist localists, things like air conditioning. They're against it. They think it's, it's dangerous. And you do have even some people on the right that would be against it. Now, I know an individual is against air conditioning because he said it makes says it makes you weak. Now, I live in the South, so uh, I love air conditioning. Air conditioning is awesome. And I wish more people in hot areas of the world had air conditioning because it would improve their lives substantially. I believe that people in local areas should have air conditioning because it's good. It's good, right? I mean, this is something that... If we want to help our fellow man, let's let's give them air conditioners. <laughs> let's give them air conditioners. There is, by the way, and I say that, when throughout history did people most get upset and start 
creating problems? Well, it's when it's hot. Because they can't sit inside. They're miserable. So because they're miserable, they want to... They're, they're, I mean, they've got a bunch of angst and frustration. So they take it out on other people. So if they had air conditioners... I mean, look, I do think that air conditioning does make us soft in some ways. Hey, as long as we've got air conditioning on, we're good. Things can happen out there. No big deal. So... I mean, if you want to calm down some hot spots in the world, and they are hot a lot of these places, give them some air conditioners. Let people sit inside some and uh, you know, not go out in the heat so much. They, they might get softer. They might not want to do these things as much. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's the case. Maybe air conditioning could be, we could have, uh, instead, of a, instead of a dollar diplomacy, air conditioning diplomacy, we could just uh, say, look, the United, instead, of, instead of boots on the ground, we'll have window units on the ground. Here, we're going to give you a million window units. And you put these in all over the place. And let's see if your, if your community doesn't improve a million percent. Because people are going to be cool. And they're not going to want to go out and kill each other, right? I mean, because, hey, I've got an air conditioning. You've got an air conditioning. We're good, right? So this is, this is air conditioning diplomacy. And uh, we're going to make sure people have air conditioning that need it. Now, of course, the lefties say this is going to ruin the world, right? And I think one of the worst things that could have happened happened with Hurricane Ida. As long as those hurricanes hit in the south, which is where they typically hit, right? I mean, the Gulf of Mexico, they smashed the Gulf of Mexico. You get Hurricane Michael a few years ago, blasted uh, Panama City, Florida. But that's okay, because Panama City, Florida is the Redneck Riviera, right? It's, I mean, there's not a whole lot of minorities, right? There's some, but it's not as high as, say, New Orleans, right? So if it hits New Orleans, then you've got a major catastrophe on your hand. But it can hit Panama City and plow that over and nobody cares. Um, New Orleans is a whole other story because of the, the population, uh, the demographics of the population. So it's going to be a big story. But you know what's amazing about that is, yeah, I mean, the power's out in New Orleans. It's bad. They need to get food. They need to get water. Anytime, anybody that's lived through these things, these things and I have, bad ones where you don't have stuff for a while. It's not fun. And it gets hot and you get miserable and you you start getting cranky about some things, right? Um, when the air conditioning goes out in the South, you know it. And this, this article is about air conditioning I'm going to talk about today. But uh, amazingly enough, it didn't do a lot of damage there. And I, I put out, a, a, I mean, as far as it did a lot of damage, but as far as deaths, there, there haven't been a whole lot. People were prepared. But I mentioned a couple of weeks back when they had that hurricane that just glanced off of New England. I said, this is a disaster because all this is going to do is make people believe that this is all climate change, that there's never been a hurricane that's hit New England before. We know there have. There have been hurricanes there. And now Hurricane Ida goes up through, uh, through the mountains of Tennessee and then comes out in the East Coast there in New York and New Jersey. We've got a bad tornado in New Jersey. That doesn't happen very often. Had a pretty bad tornado in Maryland. That, again, doesn't happen very often, but it has happened. It has happened. In fact, uh, one of the most famous tornadoes in American history took place in 1814. It was probably an EF-4 tornado. It ripped through the British camp after they had just burned down Washington, D.C. And, uh, I mean, it was a bad one, right? And so the British left. Um, they, they were gone after that. We're getting out of here. This is like the hand of God coming and telling us not to do any more of this. And the, and the rain put out the fires of, of, the, of the White House. That was a good thing, right? So we've had the, these bad storms before. We know this has happened. We know there have been bad flooding in New York before. But now it's hit 
New York City. They've had a flood. First time in the history of New York City, they've had a flash flood warning. Well, how long have we been issuing flash flood warnings? I mean, did they not have flash flooding in, say, the 17th century? Or, I mean, they're on an island, a marsh. I'm sure they've had times when they had bad flooding. You built this metropolis, this huge uh, urban area on an island that can move with storms and fluctuate. You built a city on it. Uh, And some of it is, I mean, almost below sea level, right? So you built a city right there, and when you get a lot of rain, you could have some flooding. And they've had storms hit hit New England and New York before, bad ones. But oh my gosh, this is climate change. And if we don't get rid of our air conditioners, we're done. We're done as a species. If we don't, this is what these people want. If we don't get rid of our beef, of our air conditioners, of all the thing, all the comforts that we enjoy in Western society, if we don't get rid of those things, we're done. We might as well just say, just you know, have a a a, a, a drink the Kool Aid moment and just go off to the starship somewhere because I mean, we're done if we keep these things. That's what these people think. This is a Vox article, so you know it's coming from Vox. It's bad. It's by a woman named Rebecca Leber. I guess it would be L-E-B-E-R, Leber. Air conditioning protects from heat waves, but also worsens climate change. Now, first of all, um, what is more dangerous to people than... Uh, is, is it more dangerous to people to have heat or cold? Cold is more dangerous than heat. Now, also... Being overheated is dangerous, right? I mean, if you get, they've already figured this out, at a certain temperature with a certain humidity, your body can't cool itself. Anybody that's been in the South for any extended period of time, and it, you've got a day when, you know, it's 95 plus and the humidity is around 70%, 60%, it's just awful. I mean, you are, and if you go out and work in the morning sometimes when it's, you know, it's still about 80 degrees out, 85 in the morning, but the humidity is around 85%. It is just, I mean, you might as well just be in a sauna. And at certain temperature, at a certain point, your body can't cool itself, and you run into some serious danger of simply just dying, keeling over. Your body just stops working. Um, I've been in some heat like that before, and the, the humidity with that, and it's, it's dangerous. Uh, so air conditioning is a good thing. Right, and if you're not used to it in particular, it's it's very dangerous for you to get out in that kind of heat. So the piece says, "What if the most American symbol of unsustainable consumption isn't the automobile, but the air conditioner? Unsustainable consumption. <laughs> so being cool is unsustainable. I don't know about that. Maybe I don't think it is. We can sustain that." In cool indoor spaces, it's easy to forget that billions of people around the world don't have a cooling and that air conditioning is worsening the warming that is supposed to protect us from. No, it's not. There's no evidence of that. There's no evidence at all. This is all based on computer models. There's no evidence. In fact, uh, you had Al Roker get on uh, Good Morning America and say, the Gulf of Mexico is hotter than it's ever been. So one of my favorite meteorologists on social media, Twitter, his name is Ryan Mao, went out and said, okay, Let's see if that's true. He pulled up all these data from decades to show the Gulf of Mexico isn't any warmer today than it really was you know, 30 or 40 years ago. It's not any warmer. 
but yet you just people just throw it out there. The Gulf of Mexico is 500 degrees warmer than it in just June than it was just a June three years ago. And this is why we're having a hurricane rapidly intensify. Mao actually showed that Hurricane Michael, which was a Category 5 when it hit Panama City, rapidly intensified in cooler water than what uh, Hurricane Ida had. There was like this little spot. I mean, it was amazing to see it. It got in this in the ideal spot for it to intensify the way it did. And yeah, it got pretty nasty. Dumped a lot of moisture in places that didn't really need it. Right? We've had flooding. But there's been flooding in these places before. We've had wind and storms. We've had wind and storms in these places before. We've got more people in the way of these things now, which is why it looks like it's more severe than it's ever been. So all this stuff is based on a a religion, essentially. It's based on an almost theological uh, belief that all of this is being caused by man. Because you can't prove it. It's just... I mean, so how do you... How do you uh, account for the earth was warmer a thousand years ago? Was it because of air conditioners? This is just stupid. There are alternatives. We can build public cooling spaces in smarter cities with fixes like white paint and more greenery. Some experts have hailed heat pump technology as a more efficient option. But the planet warms and more of its inhabitants have spare income. AC sales are increasing. Ten air conditioners will be sold every second for the next 30 years, according to the United Nations estimate. That's great. That's great. People are going to have more air conditioning. Access to air conditioning can literally mean life or death for the young, elderly, and those with medical conditions, such as compromised immune systems. Good, right? But this has an enormous cost. Over time, chemicals known as refrigerants leak out of AC units and accelerate climate change. So we're, I mean, hey, these air conditioners can save lives, but maybe we shouldn't do that. Maybe we should let these people die. Uh, maybe we should make everybody sweat and stink and be miserable because that would be better for humanity. Maybe we should, I mean, just let some old people, you know, die in their own sweat in these hot places uh, because that's better for humanity. International treaties have tried to fix this. In 1987, the Montreal Protocol banned the production of chlorofluorocarbons, or CFCs, that were rapidly depleting the ozone layer and damaging forests and croplands. Um, I've seen some data on that, and that, that's even the data is it's, it's even the jury's out on whether that was the case or not. But regardless, okay, when well, putting chemicals into your atmosphere, it's not a good thing, right? I mean, we could we could all agree with that. We don't want to breathe chemicals in and things that aren't good for us, and that's not a good thing. But of course, this has made it harder to fix air conditioners. I mean, you come out, you got your AC unit, your heat pump outside, which a lot of, I mean, in the United States, we use a lot of heat pumps, right? We do in cold and in, in hot areas, we use them. So the, the thing needs to be filled up, got to have some Freon in it. Well, it costs you an enormous amount of money to put the Freon in it because they have to do all these controls and it's got to be held or handled a certain way. You got to have certain equipment and all these things. It's expensive now. The typical narrative is that the scientists sounded the alarm, the world came together and set binding targets for phasing out the chemicals. In doing so, we averted a catastrophic threat to life on Earth. The chemicals that replace CFCs are called hydrofluorocarbons. While HFCs don't deplete the ozone, they are powerful heat-trapping greenhouse gases. Phasing out HFCs, which are thousands of times more powerful than carbon dioxide, is one of the most critical actions the world can take this decade to curb climate change. Earlier this year, the United States belatedly signed the 2016 uh, 
Kegel Amendment, which extends its Kaigali, I guess, amendment, which extends the Montreal Protocol to almost entirely phase out HFCs over the next 30 years. So what are they going to do? How are you going to have refrigerants for your air conditioners? I mean, I'm all for finding things that are better, that work better. But uh, there's no guarantee that they're going to find that or that these things are even causing these problems. Eric Dean Wilson, the Brooklyn-based author of the book After Cooling, is skeptical that phasing out these chemicals will be easy. He's concerned that a form of protection from a warming world could involve swapping out one chemical for another. He also made a more radical argument that in the United States and even around the world, a big cultural shift could lead to a more communal idea of cooling. Instead of a retreat to our separately cooled homes, our conversation has been edited for length and clarity. So what we should have is big communal spaces. This is, this is Bellamy's uh, looking backward. I mean, this is the progressive utopia. But I would question this. Well, how are we going to do this with COVID? If we have to social distance all the time, how are you going to have these public cooling spaces? Don't we need then private cooling spaces? I mean, if we can't be around each other, and this is going to be, I mean, this is what's going to happen with COVID. Now we've got a social distance everywhere. It can't be, so we can't have public cooling spaces. And the South used to have those. They were called movie theaters, right? You, you didn't have air conditioning. Your house is too expensive. So you went to the movie theater to get cool. And in some parts of the United States, people still do this stuff. Why air conditioning is becoming a climate disaster. What drew you to writing about ACs? It's easier for us to understand climate violence. Climate violence. Can, I mean, look at the rhetoric here in terms of things like hurricane damage or wildfires. They're very spectacular. But what's actually happening is a lot more tedious and really difficult to, to narrate. Climate violence. So a hurricane, which is a weather event, is climate violence. Climate violence. Wildfires, which are caused by lightning strikes 90% of the time or more uh, and um, are in, in, exacerbated in places like California because they don't cut out their underbrush, um, dead trees and all that. I mean, they, they're not allowed to do it anymore. This is what makes those things so problematic. Uh, these are now climate violence. I realize air conditioning was a way to get at the very material nature of the climate crisis, but in a way that is quite unspectacular because the refrigerant is literally invisible to all the senses. The paradox is that we're surrounded by air conditioning, but hardly anybody thinks about it. What I hope to do with the book was by tracing the history people could consider a radically different way of living, one that doesn't radically different, one that doesn't have to be suffering and actually be pleasurable. This is just, I mean, hey, if we just did this, it'd be great. I think a lot of people are too afraid to even try that because they think they have to give something up. I hope that it can open the door just a little bit for people to really recontextualize what it means to be comfortable. What it means to be comfortable. I hear this all the time. Air conditioner guy comes out. Uh, you set your house on 78 degrees. 80. 80 during the day. And 78, 76 at night. No. Uh, that's not comfortable. What's comfortable to one person may not be comfortable to another. That's not comfortable at all. I think there's something to be said for making us a bit more comfortable without the discomfort of outside air. The Montreal Protocol has been hailed as such a success at phasing out ozone-destroying CFCs that it doesn't even realize that there's still clearly a market for these chemicals in the United States. The Montreal Protocol worked. It took years and years of revision, but it started with the international community coming together and deciding that this was a crisis that they needed to act on it now. It wasn't an easy win for international policy, but it was and remains the only international environmental treaty whose target emissions are length, length, legally binding. The Montreal Protocol was a lot easier because it targeted a Western world. 
The ozone crisis was seen as targeting, first and foremost, white people. The U.S. government thought that because they banned production of CFCs that most of the world was going to follow quickly behind, the supply of CFCs would run out by the year 2000. That didn't happen. And there's really no government program still to clean it up. So uh, because it it targeted white people, uh, so this was easy to do, right? So people would get on board with that. But then they didn't clean up the CFCs because you still got CFCs everywhere because people are still making this stuff. Yet profile Sam Schiller, who was in the business of tracking, reclaiming, and destroying this refrigerant, Freon, that is technically legal to, illegal to produce. What did his work tell you about the world's mission now to phase out climate pollutants and air conditioners? Sam works, Sam's work reveals a huge gap in federal policy. The federal and international focus was on stopping production of a dangerous refrigerant for a material like Freon 12, which is what Sam was looking at. There's a finite amount of it as material that is no longer produced, but there's really no government program to clean it up. And once it's been smuggled into the country, then it can be bought and sold legally. It's really difficult to actually destroy the refrigerant or even contain it. And you can imagine why, because you basically have to do what Sam did, which is to trawl the corners of the United States looking for this material God knows where. So what we need is a bigger federal government with more laws to make sure that we go out and get free on. And Sam deals with some hostility among the way along the way while buying those refrigerants to destroy them safely. Some people who distrust environmentalists and who don't believe in climate change. What did you learn from him? The last section of the book is about Sam's relationship with the Iceman, a guy who is particularly hostile and also a big shot in the refrigerant reclaimer business. That section tells the story of of Sam being told to get off his property because he was a carbon guy and that he didn't want Sam to buy it if he was going to destroy it. Sam was bold enough to try to have a conversation with him, and he was able to convince the guy that there was no reason why he shouldn't sell it to him. Over the years, they got to be actually really good friends, and just before he died, he told Sam that he really changed his views. I think talking to these communities is sometimes seen as a lost cause and a waste of energy, and Sam didn't see that. Sam shows you radical systemic change, but if you don't have cultural change along with it, it's many, many times harder to actually do it, and maybe even fails. I've gotten death threats from, in my DMs from people daring me to come to their house and take their air conditioner. The actions of the federal government or policymakers are going to be seen as an infringement on individual rights. Um, people don't want you to take their... I mean, I, look, I think that taking someone's air conditioning for a lot of Americans would be more heavily resisted than taking their guns. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Uh, I mean, People don't want their air conditioning to go away, and they don't want to go sit in big communi- communes with people with air conditioning and then go back to their hot house in the afternoon. The worst time is in the evening when you're trying to sleep. Anyone that's ever tried to sleep in 90-degree weather, which it gets like that in the south, you got your windows open, fans blowing, whatever you got, it's still really hot, and you're not going to sleep. You're not going to sleep. Air conditioning has a racist history. You cite New York City statistics that that even though black residents make up 22% of the population, they account for half of all the heat fatalities in the city. What are the ways we see racism play out in the disparities in air conditioning and cooling today? From the very beginning, even before air conditioning's invention, people who were enslaved in the 18th century were denied any cooling. Well, so was everybody else. I mean, you find, this is just a stupid statement. People were denied any cooling. Um, who Who had cooling? I mean, uh, what are we talking about here? Some water holes? Uh, you know, some ice? I mean, what, what cooling did people really have? Even most white people didn't have access to any cooling. This is just so stupid. It's a throwaway line, and it's ridiculously stupid. 
After World War II, the GI Bill famously gave mortgages to white homeowners and denied them to black homeowners and basically anyone who wasn't white. It was a lot easier for white homeowners to have access to cooling. So that left a huge gap, especially in the South, between black homeowners and white homeowners. It's never really closed entirely. There's a huge issue in, the, in a city like New York and in working-class neighborhoods where there's a higher percentage of black and brown residents than there are white residents who are shut out from air conditioning. That's because even people who can afford air conditioning may not be guaranteed that they'll have the energy to power them during a heat wave. This is because it's racist to have brown, rolling brownouts. So, I mean, what's that say about California or to have blackouts? What's that say? And a heat wave because of the strain of the energy grid from climate disasters. <laughs> climate disasters. A private monopolized energy company will sometimes deliberately shut off the energy grid in order to preserve integrity of the whole. And the neighborhoods that they choose to do that in are the ones that generate the least profit, which are usually working class neighborhoods of color. And then there's the wealth disparity that we're seeing, especially in developing countries. That air conditioning units have become a marker of class and sometimes ethnic divisions of who can and cannot afford AC. That's why an approach to cooling justice, ways to make sure that everyone has access, is super critical because AC has really become a dividing tool. I agree. Let's give everybody air conditioners. Let's just, I mean, forget about weapons. Just start sending people air conditioners. Just produce all these air conditioners, have them plug in, go to it, and let's see what happens. We don't treat heat waves like the emergency they are. We're all thinking about, about the safety of indoor spaces because of COVID-19. What strikes you about those debates when you research on cooling? I had done all this research on what's sometimes called the open-air battles of schools in the early 20th century, especially in New York. There were these really fierce ideological divisions between people who thought that schoolrooms should be mechanically ventilated and others who thought that schoolrooms should have open windows. There was even a school in Chicago where in the winter they had to give students fur coats and put them on the roof. It was seen that the fresh air was healthier. Healthy and fresh air is a debatable term when you're in a city where there's lots of pollution. That debate really died out once you had central air conditioning systems toward the end of the 30s and 40s. By then, it was mandated that schools were ventilated, that, they, that they're supposed to have air conditioning, although some still don't have it. With the pandemic, we see all these questions again almost exactly 100 years later. It's like we haven't really solved this. What's healthy? How much ventilation is healthy? Should public spaces like schools be cooled all the time? And I agree, right? So, I mean, how are you going to deal with this problem? If we're, if we're talking about, I mean, so you, you in these in these systems, you can get UV radiation to kill things. You can have filters. You can have all of that stuff, which does keep your air cleaner and healthier. Viruses, pollutants, pollens, things like that, that you can take care of in these systems. All of that technology is there. You just got to do it. Many of the people reading this may be sitting in an air-conditioning space right now. Probably all of them. So what is the alternative vision? I'm interested in more radical changes so that the same technology that was bred in the United States and that, that same definition of comfort doesn't just get carbon copied and spread to the rest of the world. See, what he really wants, look at that sentence. He doesn't want what's in the United States to be spread to the rest. Of, he doesn't want people to have the same comforts in the United States. And what he really wants is the United States to have less comfort too. He, he, does not, he doesn't come out. He never really says what he wants, but he's, oh, I want people to have comfort. No, you don't. You want people to get rid of their air conditioning. You really do want that. That's what he really wants. He wants people, probably one of these people too, that wants you to never take a bath or take a bath like once a week uh, because that's bad for the environment. It's health disasters, climate disasters, climate disasters and climate violence. When you have open asphalt, which often falls in sections of the city with the working poor, you have hotter cities. 
Planting more trees and green spaces can lower the urban heat island effect by several degrees. You can also have better designed buildings, but that's tricky because you need new materials and lots of money. You can provide heat pumps, but you also need to redesign the building's air systems. And we also need more access to publicly cooled spaces so that we're not all individually cooling our homes. And then there are the cultural solutions. It's really worth looking at why heat waves cause so many deaths. We don't treat heat waves like the emergency they are. In a heat wave, people assume you just keep working. It's not just that people die because they get too hot. It's often because the medical infrastructure is not there. It's often that even the people who have air conditioning are too afraid to turn it on because they can't afford it. It's often because people are left alone. So we don't need to leave people alone. We need to be big brother and tell them they need to do these things. And of course, then we need to make sure we pay people's air conditioning bills and do all that kind of stuff and paint our walls white and plant some trees. Look, I'm all for planting trees in cities and having areas that are nice. And the urban heat island effect is real. And when you do have the absorption of heat in building construction materials, yes, that is a problem. Uh, but as you said, you'd have to bulldoze entire cities, right? So that's not going to happen. Air conditioning is beautiful, and it's a wonderful thing. It's it's creates more production for people. It really does help them uh, not have heat emergencies. These type of things. But hey, who am I to say? Uh, we got to have public cooling spaces and heat pumps. Depends on your SEER rating. They're not that they're not that efficient at times. I mean, heck, in the South, you can have a heat pump on your house and it'll run all dang day. It'll run from it'll run twenty four straight hours several days in a row if you keep your temperature at a nice comfortable level. It'll just run and run and run. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, but there are certain things. I'm all for energy efficiency and trying to do things that you can create in your walls, in your attics, uh, in your windows, all of that stuff. We need to be looking at all these technologies to try to limit heat and also cold for people. Um, and we need to make sure that people around the world can have these things too, right? I mean, this is a great trade item. Air conditioners, uh, energy-efficient products, it's all great stuff. When we build things, let's do that. But um, you can't take somebody's air conditioning. It, it's better than the alternative. Heat, as they say in here, really is a disaster for people. So more air conditioning is necessary, not less. Uh, and I think we'd see a, a better world with more air conditioning. Anyways. I found this funny because I do live in the South. A lot of our listen, a lot of my listeners live in the South, and so I, I'm, people have said it. Even come take my air conditioner. Yeah, uh, go for it. Uh, I'd rather fight over that than anything else. People want their ACs, and when you don't have it, you are absolutely miserable. Okay, so I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Brian McClanahan Show. I will see you next week. See you then. <laughs>